0: Hi, this is Lorraine from Central West New South Wales, Australia. Dusted is a Storywonk podcast. To show your support and for exclusive content, visit patreon.com storywonk. Thanks. And welcome to the show. I'm Alistair Stevens.
1: And I'm Sarah Kate Pizant. And welcome to Dusted, your Is There a Cramp in Your Pants? Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. <laughs>
0: this week, we're watching episode 14 of season six of Buffy Older and Far Away. This episode aired on February the 12th, 2002, and was written by Drew Z. Greenberg. This is his second ever Buffy episode after Smashed, which is currently at 74. ...on the big list. But he will go on to write another four episodes before the show is done. Older and Far Away was directed by Michael Gershman. This is his seventh of ten episodes, and I think it's fair to say, Sarah... We like this one.
1: It's a really good episode. I agree. Yeah.
0: I'm so glad that this is as good as I remember it being. I've Mm -hmm. always loved bottle episodes. I've always loved this episode specifically. Yes. It's really solid work.
1: I agree. Yeah.
0: So before we get to our discussion of Older and Far Away, though, Mm -hmm. we want to look backward to our discussion of dead things last week because we didn't necessarily communicate what we wanted to communicate.
1: This is true. About yes. Andrew and Jonathan. Last week, I had made a joke about wanting to like set aside Jonathan and Andrew and like just give them a hug, but I didn't express fully that um, I don't believe that that is the correct course to handle these guys. Obviously, they are as culpable in the uh, drugging and attempted rape of Katrina as Warren is. Yeah. And so, uh, just by virtue of making that joke, I was um, a- allowing the way that I spoke to sort of um, perpetuate this misogynistic idea that like boys will be boys. Yes. and that, you know, people just because they don't physically, um, assault or rape a woman that they are not, uh, that they're not culpable for that. And I, that's patently untrue, completely, right. completely false. And I wanted to apologize for uh, saying that in that way and not like completing that thought. Um, and for, uh, you know, hurting and disappointing some of our listeners because I never, ever want to do that. And I definitely don't want people to think that, you know, we think that what Jonathan and Andrew are doing is okay at all. Right, Cause right. it's totally not.
0: Yeah. And I'm right there with you. I think that You're right, we had kind of had that understanding between ourselves, but perhaps hadn't hadn't fully articulated that in front of the microphones, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a problem when you're recording a podcast.
1: Right, yeah, and then putting it out there for the world to listen to. Yeah,
0: These are very difficult and complicated subjects, and I do Mm -hmm. think that there is a perspective that we share on Andrew and Jonathan where we're seeing them as partially, at least, victims of Warren, Mm -hmm. but... That is not to remove or to excuse their culpability in absolutely. the truly terrible things yes. that they have done. So we'll try and be a little sharper and a little more precise when we mm-hmm. talk about these things in the future. Mm-hmm. But still preserve a space for, I don't know, differing responses to the geek sure, and, and Drawing that line of distinction between Warren's outright malice mm-hmm. and the more simple, more self-serving, more naive evil yes. of Andrew and Jonathan. Mm-hmm complicated stuff and it's not going to get less complicated as we move through the rest of the season. Sure, so. absolutely.
1: Yeah, and just wanted to thank those listeners who did kind of call that out and point that out to me that that was uh, the incorrect way to respond to that and yes. sort of and how it did need to be addressed and so thank you guys so much. Um, I'm still learning. I'm still learning about intersectional feminism and like what it means to be an ally and sure. all of that and so uh, definitely not going to get it perfect but thank you for being patient with me and thank you for pointing that out and please continue to do so in the future and allow me to uh, address those mistakes and then do better as we move forward.
0: Yes, and. That- goes for me too i think Mm -hmm. that it is difficult always to to be as precise as you want to be particularly when you're trying to make a show that isn't just a parade of of depression and and despair yeah which yeah the show could turn into through parts of season six this week though we get to talk about a relatively light episode i mean by the standards of season six sure yeah there's really few problematic elements here Mm -hmm. that we'll really need to discuss i like Spike and Buffy in this episode. They, I I actually
1: do, too. I like them quite a bit Ah, in this episode. Sarah,
0: is this the time through Buffy that we're actually being won over by Spike?
1: Oh, man, maybe.
0: (laughs) I can (laughs) feel it happening, and I don't want it, but it's happening (laughs) nonetheless. Let's get into our discussion, then, of Older and Far Away. And probably we should frame this with a brief discussion of the bottle episode. Yeah. Because this is a very contained episode of Buffy. We get a few sequences right up front that take place outside of the Summer's Home, Mm -hmm. but everything else takes place within that building that we know so well, that home that has been our home by proxy now Mm -hmm. for the better part of six years. Mm -hmm. I love bottle episodes. I love episodes which allow us to take a different perspective on an established space. They keep our characters focused. They keep them tight. And we get to explore all of these different lines of conflict, all of Mm -hmm. these different relationships within that space. I like very much the way that the show sets up that conflict through the first act Mm -hmm. and then continues to explore it As we move forward, even Richard works for me. Yeah, which Mm -hmm. I'm surprised by. I was
1: too. Yeah, every time you showed up on screen, I was just like, you know, you're all right though. I'm I'm okay with this. You're
0: kind of fine actually. And Sophie is like my secret guilty pleasure. Yeah, the whole episode. (laughs) Sophie last name withheld is my favorite thing. Previously on Buffy, Dawn had trouble connecting with Buffy. Spike played kitten poker. Halfric stopped by to visit with Anya. Tara and Willow bumped into each other outside the magic box, and it turns out that there's nothing wrong with Buffy even though she wishes that there were. On the eve of Buffy's birthday, she makes her excuses to Dawn as she heads out to battle a demon. There's nothing for Dawn to do but to finish her homework and have a lonely early night. This first scene works so well for me. And we talked Mm -hmm. a lot about this last week, about Dawn's arc through the season and Mm -hmm. how easy it is To misconstrue, I think, what Dawn is going through. That if you watch it week to week, if you just take a self-contained episode Mm -hmm. and look at Dawn's behavior, she can seem petulant and whiny and perhaps underdeveloped. Mm -hmm. But looking at Dawn's arc in context, it works so well for me.
1: I completely agree I love I've always loved Dawn I was never like a super big Dawn hater Um, even though occasionally I thought she could be just a little bit obnoxious but I love now going through this again and seeing like this quiet arc that we have going on in the background that we're not spending a whole lot of time focusing on we're going to this week which is really nice Um, but yeah I I am really happy that we have uh, like jumped to sort of the culmination of her storyline and what's going on with her and that we're now going to like start dealing with that in a, a stronger way particularly at the end of this episode whenever we have uh, everybody else is leaving the house, but then Buffy decides to stay in with Dawn and actually spend some time with her sister. I yeah. love that so much.
0: Yeah, we're not excusing Dawn's behavior. Mm-hmm. Again, <laughs> Right. Tie back to last week's discussion, <laughs> Dawn is culpable for the things that she has done, but yeah. we understand that her situation is complex and that she mm-hmm. is carrying these heavy, heavy burdens, mm-hmm. and that ties back all the way to the body and arguably beyond. I think that Dawn's isolation connects all the way back to her introduction as a character and to mm-hmm. the revelation of her nature. You know, when we hit that point where she understands for the first time that she is not completely human or was not right. completely human, that mm-hmm. she was created and therefore was always, in a sense, alone, mm-hmm. that is only compounded by George's
1: death. That hurts my heart. Okay. By <laughs>
0: Buffy's death. <laughs> yes. By all of these terrible things mm-hmm. happening. By Tara's absence. Mm-hmm. And Tara's presence, of course, in this episode is is illuminative. Yes. I mean, it's just... Beautiful. I didn't expect watching this again to find series best Tara for me Mm -hmm. in this episode. Yeah, she's
1: amazing.
0: Series best Anya, Mm -hmm. maybe? I really love Anya's turn in the third act, and I am completely convinced by it, which is oftentimes a problem for me with Anya. She doesn't always come across as... complete character right yeah but she super does Mm -hmm. in this one i just really like this opening scene we transition from there to the graveyard where buffy battles a reappearing disappearing demon with a sword but when she stabs it she assumes that the demon ran away rather than being sucked into that aforementioned sword which buffy takes with her as a trophy of battle which is maybe the one beat (laughs) in the episode that doesn't completely work for me
1: right i don't know that we've seen buffy take trophies before mm-hmm. uh or at least not like i don't know if she meant to go drop it off at the magic box or what the situation was there but yeah just picks that ooh shiny and then shiny. just takes it with her
0: <laughs> which i guess there are some listeners out there who may not know that you and i have spent quite a while lately discussing firefly
1: gosh have we yeah and having buffy say <laughs>
0: shiny as she picks up the sword Yes, yes. Yes. Head cannon mm-hmm. accepted. Yep. Right there. You're right. I don't know that we've seen Buffy do this before. Certainly not to take the sword home and prop it up against the wall. Right.
1: Yeah. That, just next to fine. the armoire. It'll
0: probably be fine there. <laughs> it's probably right? fine. Yeah. You're building quite the arsenal, quite yes. the collection of weapons. But I guess logically she has to because she's not just going to leave this sword yeah, in you the graveyard. Yeah.
1: Right? No, that's a really good point. You got to do something with it.
0: I mean, Sunnydale Municipal Services are used to dealing with a lot of weird stuff. Right. But sword well, I guess swords in the graveyard, that's just a Thursday morning.
1: I guess so. Just it sure every is. Other yep. day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> After the credits, Anya, Xander, and Willow are prepping for Buffy's birthday. Buffy wants to invite Tara, but Xander double checks with Willow, who is adorably enthusiastic yes oh i love willow so much it hurts my heart Dawn stops by looking for some company but everyone is busy willow with spellcasters anonymous anya with bookkeeping and xander with the schedule for his work crew disappointed don goes off to the mall by herself and when she returns home she creeps into the house and unloads stolen trinkets from her pockets and even a leather jacket worn beneath her coat price tag still attached i love how vulnerable and alone Mm-hmm. dawn is made to be yeah. through this sequence you really feel the weight i think of her burden the weight mm-hmm. of her suffering of her isolation now obviously i was never a teenage girl that may come quite a surprise to many of our <laughs> listeners but i can identify with this is there something true to this experience do you recognize something in this experience that speaks I to you I as, absolutely do as a teen? yeah
1: um and i i think that my experience might even be a little more different uh than a lot of people's but like i was uh and still am surprised surprise, a very emotional person and <laughs> was i mean god just unwieldy as a teenager and um
0: <laughs> unwieldy need, is a very yes. good word
1: <laughs> like i felt like i i anytime that I started to feel very alone or very isolated it was really really difficult for me because I was such an extra I've gotten much more introverted in my old age thank God because now my life is like way easier to like handle and manage but um, you know in my teenage years I wanted to be around people all the time and I just didn't want I don't think I liked myself very much and so I didn't want to keep my own company I needed other people around to like be distractions or to to help me kind of uh, avoid focusing on like the parts of myself that I didn't like and I wonder if Dawn is having to deal with that as well like you know mm. still having to kind of understand and learn who she is and who she is like without her mom who she is without Giles there who she is without Tara there and um I think that it can be really difficult to like really intentionally focus on yourself yeah. and have to like especially when you're like 15 and you barely got the tools to manage any of that
0: right and so much of your life has been transformed yes. by forces outside of your control right. it's by literal difficult.
1: supernatural forces sure. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm sure that makes it way more complicated <laughs>
0: What do you make of Dawn's kleptomania specifically? Why is she stealing? Because there are a lot of self-destructive behaviors yeah, in which mm-hmm. she could engage. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm perhaps begging the question here. Do we see her kleptomania as self-destructive? What is it that she's trying to accomplish here on, mm-hmm. on an emotional level?
1: I wonder if it's – we've talked about this a lot, actually, in several past episodes. And I, I guess that this is just sort of a running theme that we're seeing. I wonder if it's a control thing. Um, I wonder if it's just something where this is a thing that she can do. It's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, It's an illegal thing that well, she is doing, but it is something that she has control over. She can choose what things she's going to steal and take and have and, yeah. and feels as though she's got, you know, everything else in her life is, you know, supernatural this and magic power whammy that. And, but she can control this small instance. And I think that that is helping her to feel like something in her life is within. Um, like her realm of control and she's mm-hmm. able to like handle and manage like this one very small bad but like piece of her life.
0: So you'd see a direct textual link between Don's stealing and Willow's magic and Buffy's I think relationship so, yeah. with Spike and... I guess we could even extend that to Xander's dysfunctional relationship with Anya, or or Xander and Anya's dysfunctional relationship. I don't Mm -hmm. want to to place the blame for that any particular pair of feet, though God knows we will within the next few episodes. (laughs) That's really interesting, and I think you're right. Trying to maintain that locus of control, trying Mm -hmm. to maintain that presence of mind and to exert your will, I think is really interesting I'm really curious that Dawn steals from the mall and also from the magic box.
1: Yeah, you, that seems, yeah, that was probably uh, the worst of her plans, uh, you know, because <laughs> someone's going to catch that, right? right I right, mean, right. Um, obviously she's not getting caught while she's like taking this leather jacket like with the security tag still on and everything this like right out of the mall.
0: Fantastic leather this jacket. This really excellent yes. leather
1: jacket that I wanted very desperately yes. when I was 15 years old and first watching this show and still kind of want now. It's
0: Kind of? Yeah, yes.
1: yeah. Um, but yeah uh, stealing from the magic box probably the worst uh, portion of this plan mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. just you know take whatever it is that she wants but also maybe
0: the original I think that may be where she began she began so. stealing as opportunity presented mm-hmm. itself well because she's so invisible there
1: in the magic box right? right like nobody's paying attention to her she's just there she's literally scrappy do hanging out with the Scoobies yeah, yeah. and so it's something that she can get away with and it's something again it's like you know no one is giving me the attention that I need no one is like focusing on me I can't help with the Demon fighting. I know the word viscera, and that's basically it. But I can do this, and I have control over this.
0: Right. Which does perhaps raise the question, is Dawn doing this specifically to get caught? Is this a cry for help? Is this a, a desire for attention? Mm-hmm. Which I think is a thing that we would usually infer from this kind of storyline. Sure. If this was happening in, I don't know, The O.C. or Dawson's Creek yeah. or a show mm-hmm. like that, that would almost certainly be the conclusion that we come to. She's mm-hmm. just she's just reaching out. She just wants someone right. to notice her and she's acting out so right. she gets that attention, unable to distinguish between positive and negative attention, mm-hmm. but does it does, to me, feel as though there's something else happening here, and I think you may be absolutely right that it's that, that enforcement of agency and mm-hmm. will, that she's she's seeking to control her circumstances by right. taking action. I find that really complex and sophisticated, mm-hmm. and particularly in the context of the season as a whole, and linking that back to Willow in particular, oh, sure. and yeah. Buffy in particular. Mm-hmm. That's... That's strong stuff. Our but girls are going is, through some stuff. They really are. Yeah. They really, they're really they growing up so fast. They are. <laughs> it's so tough to watch this. And, and the way that the house is shot and mm-hmm. lit, Michael Gershman does a fantastic job maintaining continuity between all of these spaces as we move from day to night in right. the summer's house. Mm-hmm. As we create these new little intimate spaces, I find it really curious that... The kitchen in particular mm-hmm. isn't shot the way that we usually shoot the No, kitchen. it's not. We don't get that because you get that one corner. The, right. The, the shot from, I guess, the door to the dining room. Yeah. Where we're looking at, you know- the back of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And then we sometimes get the reverse angle where we're looking at the refrigerator mm-hmm. on the other side or yeah. across the counter again. But we don't generally use those shots. We're moving No, generally, more... it's just
1: like the island in the yeah. center of the kitchen. We get this mm-hmm.
0: fluid movement through these spaces and we start using the hallway and we mm-hmm. start using these these quiet, sequestered spaces. God, I love it when an episode understands space like this Yes, and can really make it work. It's just fantastic. At school the next day, Dawn is called out of class in the guidance office. The counselor, who... Looks pretty familiar. Asks Dawn about the aftermath of her mother's death. Her grades are slipping, but Dawn tries to bluff her way through. But when people go away, Dawn misses them. She just wishes that they wouldn't leave. I really like this. It's really good. I really love the use of Halfrek through Mm -hmm. this entire episode. And, And I guess this is as good a time as any to... Talk about Hafrik because mm-hmm. we do something really interesting in the third act of this story. Yes. It's super easy to miss. It really doesn't matter unless you're paying very close attention. Yes. The moment of connection between Hafrik and Spike. Mm-hmm. When she calls him William, he obviously, after a beat, recognizes her. And we realize that Kali Rosha, who plays Hafrik, mm-hmm. previously played Cecily. In Fool for Love, she played the debutante who responded poorly, let's say, to William's poetry Mm -hmm. prior to Spike being turned and is, in a way, responsible for Spike's entire arc. Yeah. Therefore, Drusilla's entire arc. Mm -hmm. Therefore, Angel's entire arc. Mm -hmm. Therefore, most of what we've discussed through the run of Buffy She's like the Watcher,
1: isn't she? She really is. Marvel Watcher, not Buffy (laughs) (laughs) Watcher.
0: (laughs) Just one moment of interaction has caused all futures to spiral out of control. I totally love it. I think it was completely unintentional. I think oh, yeah. that Kali Rosha was brought in for Cecily and mm-hmm. was just so good that they wanted to bring her back. Mm-hmm. When she came back as half this seemed like a natural point of intersection. Yeah, I just love it. I
1: really love that they do call it out because it's one of those things where if you're a diehard fan, like it just, it delights you so much. Yeah. You're like, oh my gosh, it's the yeah, yeah. I remember. But um, you know, if you're not as into it or if you don't remember, you know, four seasons ago when we had that one episode about, mm-hmm. you know, Spike's past or whatever, then it's, you know, we we take a look at it and then we immediately move away from it and just keep yeah. going with what a regular story is. Uh, it makes me so happy, yeah. I love it.
0: It's the kind of deep and extended world building mm-hmm. that Buffy does when it's at its most confident, yes, I think I think we can spoil our conclusion a little bit here and say that Older and Far Away is a vastly superior effort from writer Drew Z Greenberg mm-hmm. than his previous episode, yeah. Smashed. He's just got this sense of the characters now that he didn't have before, mm-hmm. and it works so well. And to connect this back to Fool for Love, right? Fool for Love, of course, being the pivotal episode for Buffy and Spike's relationship, yeah. Too, damn, there's no need to do that. But I'm so glad that we did that thing. Yeah. It's real good. Did you recognize her when we got to the guidance? I remembered. For the first time? Oh, you uh, did? Yeah.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. Cause I've seen the show a couple of times. And so I did remember that we were going to end up having that beat. Um, I don't remember quite what she looked like as Cecily, but uh, <laughs> I did remember that, you know, we were going to have that little interaction. And we talked about whenever uh half shows up in double meat palace, like just how much I love yes. Half, like just as a concept. <laughs> and I think that, um, you know, she just does an amazing job. I was just very thrilled to see her again. She's one yeah. of my favorite recurring characters. Characters. I really enjoy her.
0: And minor spoilers, I suppose she's going to be back four more times. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not done with Halfric just yet. And I'm very glad that that is the case. I love the way too that this sequence with the guidance counselor is mm-hmm. shot. Dawn's isolation as yes. shes I mean, first of all, her isolation in class yeah. is painful. I remember those days. Mm-hmm. I remember those moments of feeling like you are alone, even when you're in a room yeah. full of people, just yeah. stuffed with people. But the shot of her walking down the hall. Mm-hmm is so so good and I love that we're playing with this idea that that the guidance counselor could be talking about mm-hmm. you know her stealing. She sure. could have been caught. Something could be about to to unfold here. Right. And that Dawn is facing that with a certain a certain strength, a certain yeah. capability. I mm-hmm. like that very, very much. Back at the house, Xander and Anya quiz Buffy about who she's invited to the party, including Sophie last name withheld from work. <laughs> it turns out that they've also invited someone as a setup for the Slayer. Buffy meets Tara at the door and they talk a little about Spike until Willow comes downstairs and she and Tara talk with equal parts sweet and awkward. I love what we get from willow in this entire episode mm-hmm. it's just fantastic it's it's fragile and there's that edge of desperation but mm-hmm. there's also a goodness there and ah uh, willow when she's up in her room and she's kind of fixing her her, her shirt, shirt that, yeah. that <laughs> odd and slightly blousey yes. shirt that she's wearing mm-hmm. i just love the the, the vulnerability of that yeah. the humanity of mm-hmm. that and we're managing to anchor all of Willow's extraordinary challenges. Mm-hmm. Everything that she's facing in this completely personal, completely direct relationship. Right. we got to talk about Amber Benson.
1: She's so damn good though, she's right?
0: She's so, so good. Yeah. Standing up to Spike, mm-hmm. being uh, an absolute confidant, an absolute trusted confidant for Buffy. Yeah. Standing up to Anya
1: mm-hmm. and
0: in defense of Willow.
1: Yeah. Damn. Yeah, she nails it this whole episode. She completely yeah.
0: does. I've never liked Tara more than I mm-hmm. like her in this episode, which is... One of the major reasons that I like this episode Mm -hmm. as much as I do, because it feels like it matters. I think there is a risk whenever you're dealing with a gimmick episode and bottle episodes Mm -hmm. usually fall under that heading. There's a risk that it feels disposable. Mm -hmm. This week, we're just doing the bottle episode and nothing is really going to matter. Nothing's really going to change. Mm -hmm. You know, this could be a high concept musical episode, for example. Right, yeah. (laughs) Just to to pick a random example there. But like Once More With Feeling, Mm -hmm. here we manage to to really drive our character plots forward, to really Mm -hmm. advance these relationships. Ah, oh, it's good stuff. It's really, really it's good. Really good stuff. Spike shows up with Clam and Xander <laughs> brings in Richard, the intended douchebag. As we said <laughs> I actually really like Richard. Mm-hmm. He's not a good match for Buffy.
1: No, absolutely Xander not. Xander should know this. Yeah.
0: But that's fine.
1: He doesn't seem to be a total raging douchebag, he which really is nice. doesn't.
0: Yeah. Though he is immediately under the influence of the spell, so I guess it's a little difficult to be sure. Sure, yeah. He does seem to be super into Monopoly, which I find suspicious. Mm-hmm. Monopoly's a real bad game. You it's guys. the worst game. It's a real bad game. Mm-hmm. But I love the counterpoint of, of Spike showing up with the beer under his arm yes. and Clam in uh-huh. toe. The quiet tragedy of Spike having to invite Clam, that's the opposition to Buffy inviting Sophie from work.
1: Right, yes.
0: It's just, yeah, actually, we don't have friends outside of this tight little circle. Nope. (laughs) We are the team. It's fine. It's good. How do you like Clam? Does he work for you? Yeah, he really does.
1: (laughs) I think that Clem may be one of my guilty pleasures. I really enjoy him. Um, it is uh, preposterous that they have taken this weird, saggy, <laughs> scary, floppy-eared monster man, and I just, I really, genuinely enjoy. him. I love the scene where we see uh, Clem, Xander, and Don watching cartoons yes. uh, the next morning. Whenever you know we're starting to realize that something is going on, but no, I, I adore Clem. I think he's really sweet. <laughs>
0: I adore him too. I'm surprised how much I adore. Mm-hmm. I mean. I've always kind of liked him, but he has been for me a symbol of some of the problems with Buffy season six. Some of Mm -hmm. the things that threaten to break the world. I'm never going to like kitten poker. Well, no. By all means, keep emailing me about kitten poker, but Mm -hmm. I'm just not going to move on Mm -hmm. that. But Clem here works in every single scene, every single interaction. As soon as he's introduced and (laughs) Richard takes Buffy out to look at his car, I guess, though presumably not really.
1: Well, they don't have everyone there yet, right?
0: Well, oh, I guess that's true. The spell mm-hmm. hasn't started yet. Yeah. So I guess so. Richard isn't under the influence of the spell in this. Yeah. Person. So he's probably okay. He's
1: probably fine.
0: Not for Buffy, but. Y- no, probably well, okay. no one is
1: good for Buffy, and that's not their yes. fault necessarily.
0: <laughs> true. It's the burden of being exceptional, the exactly. burden of being the chosen one. This is the scene where Tara teases Spike about the cuteness mm-hmm. of Richard, and Clem just goes along with it. He is so good hearted. He yes. is just. I I, really, I thought it. he was kind of cute, too. he <laughs> was kind of cute. So, so good. And James Monsters does more with that eyebrow quirk that mm-hmm. he does. He does that like four times through the episode, and it works every single time. Yeah, it he's really feels- <laughs> brilliant. Mm-hmm. Now, the listener at home can't see that look on your face. Yeah. <laughs> so it really works, is what yeah, you're saying. No, it's very okay, good. good.
1: <laughs> it works for me, is what I'm saying.
0: Anya patronizes Dawn with the mystery of men, which is sweet and, I think, Intentional,
1: Sure, yeah. This
0: is another moment where Dawn is being relegated to the outside of this mm-hmm. core group. Spike tries to lure Buffy away and is maybe just a little jealous of Richard. And everything at this point, I think, feels slightly fragmented. Mm-hmm. It feels as though we're cutting from scene to scene to scene. It's yeah, character we really interaction, are. character mm-hmm. interaction, character interaction. But all of this builds through the first act mm-hmm. to the moment when the spell is cast when the, when the wish is enacted when the curse yes. is laid upon the house mm-hmm. and then we get to follow through then we get to track all of these different interactions and i think that the way that it is handled through the first act is actually really confident yeah really assured mm-hmm. we're getting deep character beats and very little in the way of perfunctory interaction you know right. we don't get to see Tara seeing Anya and Xander. Mm -hmm. We don't have the whole group together. We're isolating people off in these little clusters and these little relationship dynamics. I love that. That's one of the great strengths of the bottle episode. Buffy opens her gifts, including a portable back massager from Willow and the leather jacket from yesterday, which still has the security tag attached. She's distracted from her worry by the appearance of Xander and Anya with a brand new weapons chest. Sophie from work arrives with an upfront thank you and a list of allergies. (laughs) And Dawn closes the door. Out on the porch, the guidance counselor transforms into Halfric the vengeance demon and grants Dawn's wish. That is the end of Act One. Sarah, you are renowned, I think it's fair to say, as a giver of gifts. Oh, thank you. You're an excellent gift giver. Thank you. What do you think of these gifts?
1: I think that they're great gifts. Uh, I Even mean, the back massage. Well, yeah, <laughs> let me finish. <laughs> Obviously, Buffy needs a back massager or like sure. maybe a bath bomb or something. Girls got to relax. Um, but I don't know what Willow is. Th- I have to believe that Willow is still like just trying to get back on her feet and get back to herself because you can take it with you on patrol. What? Yes. No, she can't.
0: But we do get it'll work out those little aches. Which I is another eyebrow quirk from Spike.
1: Yes. <laughs> Thank you and good night. That's it, done. Uh, I feel like that back massager is right. Anyway, no, we're not getting into that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> joke, joke, joke. Moving on. Um,
0: it makes sense, though, that she can't get Buffy a bath bomb because I don't think that Willow was allowed into Lush.
1: Oh, probably not. Lush no. is
0: perilously close mm-hmm. to a shop of alchemical supplies. Yes. Time, even in the <laughs> real world. I think you could cast some magic with the stuff in Lush. The chest. It's the chest. It's the so chest good. The chest is so good.
1: Now, did something happen to the old weapons chest and I'm just not
0: remembering? Not that I recall. I was trying to remember if we had established previously that it had been destroyed or damaged. I don't think that's the case. I'm okay. sure if it has been a listener, will Is we'll it just too small?
1: Us. Is that the situation that's now? That's how
0: I read it. Okay. And not cool enough. Mm-hmm. I really love this. And it's... An example, not just of Xander's expertise, which we get to see all too rarely, yeah. but Xander and Anya working together. Yes. We've had our problems with this relationship, but I really like it in this episode. When
1: they work together, I really do enjoy them. Whenever yeah. they're like building each other up and not just diminishing one another, it's a really sweet little relationship. It's just that it's also just sprinkled with problems. I think it's like <laughs> the same problems that I, well, not the same problems, but it's my same issue with Anar and Mal over on Firefly. Sure. Where it's like when they work, they work really well. But that's a very small percentage of the time,
0: and I'm done with it. Yeah, and a lot of the time it's the guy in this mm-hmm. relationship just being vile Yeah. to his romantic partner.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a hell of a hope chest, though, and it's beautiful yeah, and it really, really wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. With a CD rack.
0: With a CD rack. Which is still a thing which in 2002. Is super needed, 2002. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She needs somewhere to put all of her mixed CDs. I guess so. She's burned from Napster. Mm-hmm. This is like the third podcast in a week in which someone has mentioned Napster.
1: <sighs> Something's in the air.
0: Must be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting for Napster to return any day now. Any day. As was prophesied. It's such a strong sequence. Uh, we have to talk about Sophie. We have to talk about Sophie who is fantastic. Oh my gosh.
1: Sophie is darling. And what, like, how old do you think Sophie is?
0: She was dropped off by her mom, mm-hmm. which makes me think probably not that old. Probably She's closer. like 17 She's or something, right? She's closer to Dawn than Buffy, right? Yeah. yeah. It's so good with the list of allergies. Mm-hmm. Ah. I just adore her. That actress is fantastic. Yes. I could do, yeah, The Adventures of Sophie in Sunnydale. Mm-hmm. That would be wonderful. Just her walking through Sunnydale, bewildered.
1: I did, like having no idea. God, she's the most innocent creature in all of Sunnydale.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so as we move into act two, the summer's house is rocking to the finest public domain, royalty-free, mm-hmm. commercial-grade music. After the playing of the really weird salsa music mm-hmm. in Buffy's kitchen so long ago, we got a lot of emails saying, no, no. This is actually just Buffy's taste. She just really likes she public- She has really terrible
1: music, music taste. Yeah,
0: which makes sense because Buffy as a show is more than willing to actually pay for music. Yeah. Now, one of the reasons, by the way, I should say that we have bottle episodes in mm-hmm. serialized fiction is that bottle episodes are, are super cheap.
1: Yeah, that's what I... Yeah, they're inexpensive to do. Yes. We didn't have to spend a whole lot of money on this episode. It's
0: a short shoot. You mm-hmm. get to do it quickly. You get to do it for very little money. And it is possible that the budget at this point was being Well, we blew all strained. our money on
1: the Bush song last week. <laughs> (laughs)
0: I wouldn't have hated the Bush song in this. (laughs) Okay. I would because Bush, but I would have hated the Bush song less in this episode Mm -hmm. than I did in dead things. Yeah. Anything, anything would have been fine. This weird music that is playing throughout this opening sequence. Mm -hmm. Maybe just don't have it.
1: Maybe, but I mean, gosh, I think it's almost worth it to see Anya sitting on the couch, just blithely, like (laughs) flipping her hand back and forth, like a lazy Miss America.
0: That's, True and fair. Actually, yeah, we would have lost that. That would have been a terrible thing. Richard flirts with Buffy, who is somewhat less than interested. Spike accosts her, only to be interrupted by Tara, who innocently asks about the muscle cramp in his pants, and I have never loved Tara more. (laughs) Never, ever loved her more. She's
1: so brave. She's
0: so... And I love the way that Spike buckles when he's talking to her. I love that he doesn't challenge Mm her. He's the big bad when he's with Buffy, and that's fine. But Tara sees through his bullshit with remarkable acuity Mm -hmm. and the obvious pleasure that she is taking from this. Mm -hmm. Like, I know about you and Buffy. Mm -hmm. You don't know that I know about you and Buffy. I am going to enjoy every second of our interaction. Yes. And she deserves
1: that, frankly. After all she's been through? Yes. Sure.
0: In the kitchen, the Scoobies plus Sophie argue about a beer run, but it turns out that no one wants to leave Later, Buffy, Dawn, Anya, and Richard are playing Monopoly. Spike, Clam, Xander, and Tara are playing (laughs) poker. And since no one wants to go home, they decide to turn Buffy's birthday into a slumber party. But by the time the sun comes up, things are beginning to feel strange. I want to look for just a second at the way that we break out these two groups, because I kind of adore it. Buffy, Dawn, Anya, and Richard playing Monopoly. Mm -hmm. A family game, traditional Sure, yeah. I mean... Yes, an awful game, but at least the the kind of game Mm -hmm. that these people would play. I love the detail that it's Anya playing Monopoly because, of course, it is. She desperately wants to bankrupt Fluffy, which is great. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, Spike and Clam and Xander and Tara. Tara. (laughs) Tara.
1: Playing poker.
0: That's real good. (laughs) So Willow and Sophie are presumably still hanging out in the kitchen. I
1: guess so. Just getting to know one another. Just getting to know one another. Willow is interested in this most innocent of creatures in all of Sunnydale.
0: Fascinated by her. I'm sure there's some kind of scientific study going on. I love the way that we break them up. I love the way that they're on opposite sides of the Mm -hmm. room. I love the interaction between them. All of this is good stuff.
1: Do you think Tara's good at uh, poker? She's probably kicking all their asses, right?
0: Ah, I want to believe that she is. Yeah. Okay, who's losing at that? Xander's losing at that. Xander
1: game. is definitely There's losing. There's just no question. Yeah, But I have to believe that Tara is also beating Spike just as a, an extra punch yeah, to you that know what? interaction. I have
0: no trouble believing that that's mm-hmm. true she knows his tells now. Oh yeah, she sure does. <laughs> She's in his head. Yeah. Yeah, Tara's running that table. It's it's very quietly not mentioned at the end of the episode, but Tara leaves like 200 bucks richer. Oh yeah, just for a sure. Yeah. good, yep. a good, mm-hmm. good night. So we're building the tension through this entire sequence. Mm-hmm. We're making reference to people not wanting to leave and it starts off very subtle. The first is Richard interacting with Buffy mm-hmm. saying that it's getting late, but he doesn't want to go home. Then yeah. we get the beer run conversation. Mm-hmm. Then we get the slumber party conversation. And then we transition to the following morning where everyone is sitting around watching cartoons yes richard feels as though he ought to go to work spike talks about the most important meal of the day while tara and willow reconnect in the kitchen and suddenly realization dawns no one can bring themselves to try and leave and just mechanically this is gorgeous because this is almost exactly the midpoint of the episode yeah so we built our first act we Mm -hmm. transitioned into the second act Mm -hmm. this is the turning point in the middle it locks the conflict for the back half Mm -hmm. it's just really strong work yes How much do you like the intimacy of the morning after as they're all sitting around? Well, they're all watching cartoons. cartoons.
1: I love it. And uh, like I said earlier, when we were talking about Clem, like I just I adore Dawn and Xander and Clem watching cartoons together. (laughs) It makes me so, so happy. Uh, We see everybody else like kind of, you know, looking a little bit sleepy, but I don't even know if anybody like took a nap or anything. If part of the curse also is that everyone has to be awake.
0: Yeah, I wasn't sure about that either. I mean, presumably not, because by the time we get to the end of the episode, people would be suffering from... From serious fatigue. Yes. I mm-hmm. guess people managed to grab an hour or two here and there. Right, while you the party
1: can't. and the terrible music was still raging on.
0: <laughs> As you move into the seventh hour of Monopoly.
1: Right, yes. <laughs> you just, oh, just
0: just God. grab 40 winks. Mm. There. Everyone has places that they need to be and things that they need to be doing, all except for Dawn, who is hurt that everyone wants to leave. She runs upstairs... And in one of my favorite moments in the entire episode, the entire Scooby gang just follows her.
1: Yeah. uh Uh-huh. It sort of ruins the dramatic, you know, thing that you're trying to do as a 15-year-old girl flinging yourself to your bed when effectively all of your parents follow you into the room to watch it happen.
0: I love how genre aware this is. Yes. No one wants to leave. Dawn's upset. What did you do? Yeah. What did you do? Mm -hmm. It really works for me. She denies any involvement with the bottle episode spell, but when Buffy presses the issue, Dawn shrieks at them to get out. Mm Which is maybe one of the few moments in the episode where Dawn doesn't quite work. Yeah, I
1: mean, I I'm okay with waving it away just because she's upset. She's this isn't everything was going really really well and she was very very happy and now they're trying to take that happiness mm-hmm. away from her. And I do think that she is being uh, uh, petulant here yes. at this point. Um, but yeah, not my not not the best. And Don, you're not presenting your argument quite well. But again, <laughs> you're 15 and you're just doing your best.
0: And this is a beat that we've had from Dawn mm-hmm. before. This yeah. get out, get out, get out shriek yes. that she does. It just feels a little too big it Mm -hmm. feels a little too incompatible with dawn's usual response to this kind of thing is to be cold and to be caustic and Mm -hmm. to be sarcastic this is something different and i'm not sure that it's really motivated but it does what it needs to do Mm -hmm. i guess downstairs the team tries to figure out what is going on tara can work some magic to find out what has happened and willow kept some secret supplies that she can use tara takes the supplies and begins to cast the spell richard meanwhile begins to question the magic that is binding them to the house the wish holds fast But Tara's spell does have one unintended effect. The demon from the cold open is released from the sword and attacks.
1: Hey, remember the sword, you guys? Hey, remember
0: that sword? (laughs) Remember that sword that Buffy inexplicably took home? Good job. Richard is stabbed and the demon disappears and appears again. Richard needs medical care and Buffy promises that they'll be out of the house soon, which is a setup for an irony cut to the (laughs) summer's home later that night. This is the part of the second act. This is the back Mm -hmm. half of the second act where we... Amplify the conflict, yes. where we, we raise the stakes mm-hmm. here. The addition of the demon to the house is a really interesting one. Yeah. And he works for me within this context so much more powerfully than he does in the cold open. Mm-hmm. Because in the cold open, the disappearing, reappearing thing is fine. Right. But here, he exists somehow synonymously with the house. Yeah, The fact that he keeps passing into and out of the walls and mm-hmm. the floor, it feels as though the house itself has become antagonistic to yeah. these people within mm-hmm. it, which I find really, really interesting and dark and bleak yes. and kind of awful. Does the turn here work for you? Because up to this point, this has been somewhat quirky. This has yeah. been a fun episode. Mm-hmm. We've been enjoying ourselves. And now things really start to get dark. Mm-hmm. Does the episode carry you along in that transition? I think so yeah I yeah. think
1: that it works really well for me it's um you know just what you we were saying about you know the demon being a part of the house and suddenly like the summer's home is now antagonistically against everyone within it um is hard to see and it's it uh it, you know it's a little scary honestly and um but no I think it really really works for me we're finally like sort of like ramping up you know we're not just sitting around playing monopoly for 7 hours at this point <laughs> now it's like oh stuff just got serious put monopoly away you guys we got to deal with this thing
0: Yeah and we've got time lock now because mm-hmm. Richard is going to die unless we figure this out.
1: Right. We
0: don't hit that as hard as we No, we, could. we sure
1: don't. He needs to go to the emergency room like right now but they're in the house for like another 24 yeah, hours, also, right? so another
0: day I'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. And we get the beat with Tara and Willow caring for him. I guess mm-hmm. Tara caring for him while Willow watches mm-hmm. and then that contributes to Anya's tension later Yeah, sure. Episode. So it does have a narrative effect mm-hmm. but we also just remove Richard the red shirt. He shows up <laughs> in a red shirt And a terrible thing happens to him. Who could have seen that coming? (laughs) As Sophie panics and Spike suggests that Buffy maybe not celebrate her birthday in the future, Tara and Willow tend to Richard. There is a creaking in the house and everyone is on edge. Even Anya, who is on the verge of a panic attack. Xander calms her down and fetches water when he is attacked by the demon. Spike rushes to the rescue and Buffy too, but the demon slashes Xander across the arm then vanishes back into the fabric of the house. And this feels... Real mm-hmm. and malevolent yes. and awful. I love the scene between Xander and Anya. Mm-hmm. This is a new perspective, I think, on Anya. We've never seen her feel quite like this, right. but it feels compatible to me? This, I think so, yeah. Me?
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, to have them trapped in this house, first of all, they're just stuck in the house, and it's like, okay, well, we can deal with this, this is fine, but mm. now, also, the house is attacking us, yes. effectively, you know, we've got this demon in here who is going to kill us, and we can't get rid of him, what are we supposed to do? Um, but no, it worked really well for me to see Anya uh, starting to break in this way, and it was, it's really nice to kind of, like, see her humanity in that yeah, way, to yeah. see her so afraid, and like, so close to the verge of a panic attack, and also to see Xander, like, taking care of her, and I like doing a pretty decent job is really nice
0: he's very good Mm -hmm. in this sequence and i completely buy her turn i buy that it isn't just the threat because she's faced threat before Mm -hmm. it's powerlessness yeah here she is and to tie back to issues of control and Mm -hmm. agency i guess here she is without any hope of of taking meaningful action As she says not like this We're, Mm -hmm. we're bound up here like animals yeah it's it's really affecting it's Mm -hmm. really touching and emma caulfield does as emma caulfield so often does Mm -hmm. just a magnificent job with it she's so good then we get this point of conflict where xander is attacked is injured and that gives anya something to focus her anger and her fury on. as we move into the the later part of the episode later buffy talks with dawn dawn says that buffy doesn't know what it is to be alone anya meanwhile suggests that willow can break the spell anytime she likes but she's choosing not to Xander suggests, hey, maybe one little spell, it wouldn't be so bad, but Willow stands her ground and refuses. Mm -hmm. Anya gets angry at Willow's failure to control her magic in the first place, but Tara intercedes, protecting Willow.
1: This scene is so good.
0: This whole thing. Yes. Just works for me. And and bracketing this with Buffy and Dawn. Mm Mm-hmm is really interesting because this is an episode about Dawn. Yeah. And it is an episode primarily about Dawn's relationship with Buffy. Mm -hmm. But we start that conversation, and then we cut downstairs to have the Anya, Xander, Tara, Willow interaction. Mm -hmm. And then when we cut back upstairs to Buffy and Dawn, they've kind of talked it all out. (laughs) They've kind of reached at least something closer to an understanding. Mm -hmm. And I find that really interesting because I don't feel emotionally shortchanged by it. I don't feel as though we were distracted from... The point. Mm-hmm. I think what we're exploring here is the consequence. What yeah. we're seeing is, and and it's difficult to talk about consequence in this episode because, of course, Dawn didn't intend it. Right. This is not something that she has done. She's sure really in the Xander role here, mm-hmm. where something terrible has happened, and yes, you can kind of trace responsibility back to her, but she's right. not culpable for mm-hmm. it in quite the same way. How does that work for you? Do you feel as though you get shortchanged between Buffy and Dawn? Do you wish that we'd seen more of that exploration?
1: I do wish we had seen just a little bit more because I think that whenever Dawn, you know, basically accuses Buffy, you don't know what it's like to be alone. I just yeah. want to be like, oh, honey. Oh, like, honey. do you even have any idea what a slayer is supposed to be? Do you have any One idea? One girl in
0: all the world that yeah, says that on my get, business card. Right, you
1: can't <laughs> get more alone than that. Right. Um, and, you know, we, we focus so much throughout the entire series about how different Buffy is because she chooses not to be alone yeah. and chooses instead to surround herself with her friends with her watcher with her family Um, and I just wish that we could have seen maybe a little bit of the verbal smack down there where Buffy was like okay no you think okay all right real quick though and also it would have been just nice because you know Buffy has been feeling especially alone this entire season sure. and to sort of see um, How uh, Buffy and Dawn sort of interacted there would have been nice. It would have been really heavy, though. I think, and I'm not sure that we Mm -hmm. had enough time, especially Mm -hmm. with some of the other stuff we have going on. But you know, at the end of the episode when we have Buffy and Dawn together in the house, I imagine that that's what is happening. Yeah, that's the conversation.
0: I really want to believe that. I hope so. Yes, (laughs) I love Anya's anger. I love the attack on Willow. I mean, my heart breaks for Willow, right? Of course, but Anya's not wrong Mm -hmm. in a sense. Willow is putting her well being above the well being of the people that she loves. Yes. And sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes yes. that's what being an adult is. You yeah. can't always sacrifice everything. Right. We agree, I assume both of us mm-hmm. with Willow's decision to remain outside of this, this magical influence.
1: I think so. Yeah. Her ground. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's incredibly powerful. And Tara stepping up is a moment. Oh of- my gosh. Unadulterated triumph.
1: Yeah, it's really, really great. If Tara really had great. done
0: nothing else in this episode, nothing mm-hmm. else in this season, mm-hmm. I would still have loved her for this moment.
1: Mm-hmm. It's so nice when we give her stuff to do and whenever it's like important, heavy stuff yes. to do. She handles it so beautifully and so wonderfully. Yeah, it's it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, there was a long while there where Tara was just damseled every week yeah. just mm-hmm. to motivate action. Yes. That has long since Yeah, we
1: are no longer doing that, which is great. She's now one of
0: the most capable people Mm -hmm. in the extended cast of of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Upstairs, Buffy and Dawn talk more. Buffy hasn't been around, but she says that her most important job is protecting Dawn. Mm. Dawn mentions the guidance counselor, and Buffy puts the pieces together with surprising speed.
1: Like, really, really quick, right?
0: Guidance counselor? It's a curse!
1: (laughs) Did you make a wish? Okay. Does she just remember... (laughs) You know, way back when, when uh, Anya was still a demon and not a human who became a demon somehow. I mean, like, it's just... Yeah, no, it was remarkably quick. But I guess, like, we're coming up on, like, our act three and, like, we've got to kind of, like, start wrapping stuff up and take care of it. But, yeah.
0: It is a little... Swift, mm-hmm. but because we echo this from Anya later, I really mm-hmm. like the idea that don't make wishes around strangers. What are you doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You live in Sunnydale. This is you a should terrible know better. Idea. What are you doing? Anya meanwhile desperately ransacks Dawn's room looking for a clue as to what has happened, and finds a haul of stolen jewelry from the magic box and from other places. Dawn runs downstairs, but Anya pursues her betrayed. Buffy tries to protect her sister, but realizes the leather jacket was stolen too. Buffy mentions the wish, and Anya, too, puts the pieces together awfully quickly. Halfric finally appears, just in time to be stabbed by the sword demon. Buffy and Spike attack the demon until Buffy seizes the sword, chases the demon as he tries to pass back into the wall, stabs her own house, and then finally breaks the sword over her knee. Mm -hmm. This is great. Yes. This is just great. Having Halfric appear and be immediately, it would seem, killed
1: yeah i forgot that that happened and i was genuinely
0: shocked it's a great moment Mm -hmm. and then yes obviously as we discussed the symbolism of the demon inhabiting the house yeah being in the fabric of the house Mm -hmm. buffy plunging the sword into the wall of Mm -hmm. her family home Mm -hmm. it's really powerful stuff i just love the way that it plays out Mm -hmm. and then we get back to the emotional core anya rushes for halfrex pendant but the vengeance demon it turns out is still alive sorry The justice demon, it turns out, is still alive. Anya asks her how she could possibly do this. And Huffrick explains that she was protecting Dawn, who was suffering in silence. Mm-hmm. That is the moment where we get the interaction between Hopperick and Spike, which is yes. so good and yeah. I love so much.
1: This entire sequence is so great. I love when we have Anya chasing after Dawn and being like, "How could you do this? You're my friend. Yes. You know this yes. is this is my job," and all of this, and Buffy rushing to Dawn's rescue. Like, I love this entire sequence. It's so good. Everyone is doing so well yes. in this whole scene. It's we perfect.
0: Totally landed. And God, I love that we don't play it for a joke. Yeah, I love that this isn't. Anya loves money more than she loves most things. Mm -hmm. This is Anya genuinely feeling betrayed. Yeah, Genuinely afraid and insecure and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Playing that straight, as we do, is maybe the strongest choice that this episode makes. Oh, yes, absolutely. Just adore it. Then we get the movement through Mm -hmm. the the resolving of the curse. Halfric tells them that all they have is time and each other and tries to vanish dramatically, except that she doesn't, because now she is bound by her own spell... (laughs) Hoist by her own (laughs) petard, she petulantly lifts the curse and vanishes and the danger is over. Which is exactly how you should resolve. It's this.
1: so good. It's so it's, it's just, perfect. It like is. utter perfection. Yeah, she gives like her huge, big, impassioned speech. You know, I could hear this girl's sorrow in uh, everywhere I went in this town, and none of you heard it. And now you've got all this time. And then she just she does her little like fairy godmother gesture yes. twice. <laughs> Nothing is happening. That's
0: exactly what it is. It's so good. <laughs> it's so
1: perfect. And then Anya just being like, "It's the curse, Hallie." Oh, damn it. <laughs> and just, it's great. It's perfect, yeah. It
0: doesn't feel like a cop-out. It doesn't feel as though no, we're not just at all. waving a magic wand, mm-hmm. I guess, and resolving this conflict. We're, we're just doing the thing. Yes. This is grounded in Halfric's character, in mm-hmm. Anya's character. Not so much in the character of the sword demon who doesn't really have one, but is sure. representative of, of that malice of the house. Mm-hmm. I really love the way that it resolves. And yeah, Huffrick is just incredibly She's charming. so good. Yeah. I now can't wait for her to show up again. <laughs> Willow thanks Tara for standing up for her and for taking the last of her magical supplies with her. She explains that she was simply keeping a safety net. But Tara tells her that now is the time to do it right. And observes that even when things got bad, Willow said no. Mm. Everyone leaves Anya talking about punitive damages to Dawn, which is a beat that I adore. (laughs) They walk out marveling at the beautiful night. And as Dawn smiles, Buffy closes the door. The end of this episode is, it's just perfect.
1: It's so, so good. I
0: love how composed, how balanced, how confident Mm -hmm. it is. The whole thing just works for me. I leave this episode feeling warmer for this entire ensemble than yeah. I have for a while. Because mm-hmm. season six really is the season in which we break the ensemble. Yes. The Scoobies mm-hmm. are not, after being unified at the end of season four. Right. Moving through season five and looking at Buffy as an individual hero, mm-hmm. but the Scooby still as a unit. Mm-hmm. Season six, we break the cutie. Season yeah. six, we destroy this family unit. Mm-hmm. But here, in this very quiet and very simple way, we see that what Don wanted has actually happened. Yeah. That they have been, in a sense, reunited. That these Mm -hmm. bonds have been forged. The wish was not entirely disastrous, I mean, pretty disastrous for Richard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a tough night.
1: Richard had a bad time.
0: Sophie's probably not going to forget this. Probably soon. not.
1: Yeah. But That's why they're not
0: our friends. That's exactly. why they're not our people, yes. Sarah. They get to go off and have <laughs> friendships and relationships of their own. That's right. But the family, the family remains and endures. And yes. I'm just so... Warm toward this episode, mm-hmm. it feels like a really weak kind of compliment to play the to pay right, the episode. Yeah. It's just oh, it makes me feel real good. At the no, end. it
1: really does, though. Yeah, no, I feel I feel like we're starting to heal now. We're going to be yes. better from this point on. Yes, mm-hmm.
0: that may not turn out to be completely true. Nope, but a moment of hope. <laughs> we, hope cling. is the
1: deadliest thing.
0: <laughs> that is absolutely the tagline for season six. Yeah, of it Buffy. sure is. Right there. We have to take Older and Far Away now and Mm -hmm. put it on the big list of every Buffy episode ever. Obviously, we're both, I think, positive on this episode. That said, it's fairly inconsequential.
1: Uh, Okay, yes. Yes, overall, yes. I think that there are a lot of character moments that we are sort of uh, dealing with and kind of like tying up and putting nice little bows on. So it feels really important to me. Yes, But, you know, in a general sense, narratively, not totally necessary. It's, it's not yeah. one of
0: the big pivotal sure, turning absolutely. point episodes mm-hmm. of Buffy, which unfortunately, at this stage in the discussion, pretty much means that it can't find a spot in the top twenty, right? Because we're we're doing a lot, or I guess maybe right at the the fringes of the top twenty. I'm because into this. I'm looking back on Dead Things from okay, last week, yes. which went in at number eighteen, right between Becoming Part One and Two and Afterlife. Mm-hmm. I like Older and Far Away more than I like Dead Things.
1: Yes. I don't
0: like it more than I like becoming part one and part two. Correct. I think it goes in directly above last week's episode. Yeah, that sounds good. It's the new number 18 on the list. (laughs) I feel good about that.
1: I feel good about that as well.
0: Not perhaps one of the most essential episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm -hmm. This isn't sacrifice and heroism and close your eyes. It is a character story, but I kind of love it all the more for that. Yeah, that feels good. Number 18 on the list, older and far away. That will do it for this week's discussion. We'll be back next time with episode 15 of season six, As You Were, in which an old flame returns to Sunnydale. Had you forgotten that that was the next episode? (laughs) Riley Finn, you guys. Riley uh, Finn returns okay. to Sunnydale.
1: Fine. If
0: you've got thoughts and would like to share them with us, please visit storywonk.com slash contact for more information on all the ways that you can get in touch or follow at Storywonk on Twitter for the latest updates, announcements, and vengeance demons. I mean, justice demons. Justice demons, Just Alistair. Just FYI. Justice demons. Just FYI. <laughs> That'll do it for this week. We'll be back next time with more. Until then, I'm Alistair Stevens.
1: And I'm Sarah Cade Bazan. And this is Dustin. r er, r